Hey, this is Mark Schultz. Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Podcast. This is episode four of Blockchain and Aviation, where we examine air navigation services data being put on the blockchain. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for joining. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Schultz here, and we are here again for another edition of Blockchain and Aviation. Wanted to welcome you to our series. We're here in week two of our series on blockchain and aviation. Last week, we covered some fundamentals and uh, we talked about different terminologies and things. And starting week two, we're getting into some more details. We're going to be talking about air navigation services. We'll be covering um, customer service and blockchain. And then at the end of the week on Friday, we're going to be covering uh, NFTs and crypto in aviation. You are really not going to want to miss this. Hey, I'm going to bring in my co-host here real quick. And my co-host uh, with me today is Gabriel Schultz. Gabriel, how are you today? How's it going? I'm doing well. Good. Excellent. Hey, um, I know that we have uh, new people that join us every single time and uh, not everybody knows who everybody is. And so I was just wondering if you could just quickly tell everybody who you are and what do you do, please? I'll just real quick for the for all the new people. So I've been doing um, new business development at Digital Aircraft for the past couple of years, um, as long as, uh, as as well as some sales and marketing for, uh, for the company as well. Um, also have been looking into uh, technical analysis and uh, of, of different cryptocurrencies and have been doing a lot of research on blockchain for the past couple of years as well. So um, excellent. I'm glad to yeah, talk I, about it. I asked Gabe to join us because uh, we need some young blood here in the broadcast, especially when we're talking about crypto and blockchain and different things like that. So, um, hey, we're really looking forward to this today. And uh, I have a special guest with us today. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, as we go forward in our broadcast, um, each 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 time, we're actually, um, we actually have this broadcast right now on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and we're covering, you know, the benefits of Web3 and blockchain and NFTs and crypto and security, plus lots, lots more. And we're doing that on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, at uh, 12 Eastern time and 1600 GMT. And I want to welcome you to uh, join us at those times. And one of the things that we're doing is we're trying to bring in more and more detail and technical expertise I've had all kinds of people reaching out to me and saying, can you get down in deeper? But hey, you know, one of the challenges that I have is we have people that are new to blockchain and people that are, you know, detailed technical experts. And so we're trying to do a combination of each. This week, I'm bringing in three detailed experts on blockchain. And at the same time, we'll continue to try to bring in terminology and things to help you to understand blockchain and what it really means. Let me jump in by bringing in our uh, our our uh, guest here today. And- Hi, Armand. Uh, how are you today? Glad to have you with us. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hey, Armand, you? Um, uh, where, are you, uh, where are you located? Where are you coming to today? Coming from today? Yeah, I'm in Dubai currently. Yeah. And okay, uh, weather here, it's, it's very hot nowadays. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, they're talking about how hot it is in the UK today, and I'm very sympathetic to people because they don't have air conditioning and things like that. But uh, in the UAE, it's really hot all the time. <laughs> well, in the summertime, it is, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, hey, listen, I wonder if you could just for a moment um, help our viewers understand who you are and what do you do. It really helps us kind of kick things off. Yeah. My name is Arman Sabir, and I'm I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I work for Dubai Navigation Services as first-time simulation specialist. Yeah, perfect. Very good. Um, so what is Dubai? Um, what is Dubai Na Air Navigation yeah. Services? 
uh, Dubai Air Navigation Services basically it handles uh, Dubai air, uh, air movement like air traffic, whatever comes inside in Dubai air traffic, whether it's uh, Boeing aircrafts or any any type of air movement, we manage that. Plus, we also manage Dubai airport traffic as well. So we uh, whatever on airport any traffic movement happens, we manage that as well. Perfect. Thank you. Well, this should be a good conversation today because I know everybody's interested in, in aviation, of course, and data and uh, it's publishing. And so we're going to mix together some discussions today about um, about uh, the aviation industry, about blockchain, and about what some people are doing in the industry. And we brought in Armand as a subject matter expert on this topic to help us out. Hey, listen, um, as I get going, I always like to uh, uh, ask people to let me know uh, where you're watching from. It's always really very interesting. And so the first thing I do is I ask you, could you possibly help us in this broadcast and could you share this live stream? It makes a really big difference. We can reach a lot more people. We're really trying to reach people and keep this conversation about blockchain and aviation going. So if you could share it, I would appreciate it. And then also, um, it's always a lot of fun uh, for people just in that comment box down there. Just let me know where you're watching from and we'll give you a little shout out in a minute here when the the, uh, comments start rolling in, we will uh, put your your uh, name and, and location up on the screen. So uh, if you want your couple of seconds of fame, uh, put a comment down there and tell me where you're watching from. All right, while we're waiting on that, um, let's just sort of kick a couple of things off. Uh, Armand, um, it's always very interesting for people watching to know a little bit about your background. And um, I wonder if you could just take a minute to tell people just a little bit about sort of your journey um, what got you involved in aviation and then involved in blockchain? And, you know, what's your background in that area? I think it would really help people to understand that a little bit. Uh, well, I started with as a software engineer. So after that, uh, when I joined General Civil Aviation back in uh, seven years before, uh, when I started there, I, I had like a passion to start, learn more about aviation and in deep in-depth concept within the aviation, how it works and how air traffic movement control has been controlled and all that. I step into the aviation and after that, while working in the aviation, because I had a software background as well, plus I learned aviation as well. So I got a chance to learn about blockchain because that time blockchain was a new, like in 2014, 15, everyone was thinking whether it can be apply blockchain or not. So I, I learned, I took some couple of courses on it and then I got deeper understanding what blockchain is and how it can help aviation also to apply. And so things move on and I learn more and more about blockchain plus aviation as well. Yeah, and uh, Armand, um, how, long have you been, how long have you been looking at uh, you know, blockchain technology? It's roughly six plus years. Six plus years. Okay, very good. So, so for those of you watching, um, Armand, you know, he's a he's a uh, software engineer and uh, has a background in development and data, and uh, has learned um, uh, blockchain. You know, um, in in the last six years, I wanted to ask you this: Is it in your title? It said um, certified blockchain engineer. Can you tell me, um, you know, what what do you have to do to become a certified, you know, blockchain engineer? What does that really mean? Actually, from blockchain console, I, I like I, I write an exam and then I got certification from blockchain console as a blockchain specialist. Okay, blockchain specialist. All right. Okay, very good. Hey, listen, we've had uh, some people that I know joining us um, from around the uh, the broadcast, and we'll just make a quick shout out to them. Um, I see we have Kieran Prakash here. Kieran, he uh, works for a company that um, has a very amazing uh, blockchain based. Uh, 
uh, supply logistics and warranty kind of solution. Um, Karen, thanks for joining us. And then we have a regular over the last week here, we have Rena um, joining us from Toronto. Rena, thanks for joining us again. And she's given us some very um, interesting questions in the past. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And then we have um, uh, Arthur's, uh, who's actually going to be a guest um, on Friday. And uh, he's with Air Baltic. And it's going to be a very interesting session because it's a real world uh, discussion about crypto and NTFs or NFTs. And um, and it's uh, it's really interesting because uh, they've been in they've been using cryptocurrency since 2014, and now they're publishing um, uh, NFTs. And uh, by the way, the reason I said uh, NTFs is because there's a term in the aviation industry called no trouble found, and so it gets you confusing when you say NFT and NTFs. So forgive me if I say no trouble found instead of non fungible token. So <laughs> very good. So we're looking forward to that. And then we also have a, a visitor from uh, Seagate Technology in Shakopee, Minnesota. Um, very interesting. I hear that uh, Seagate's been looking at uh, blockchain technology. I'm hoping to be able to hear from them in the future and what they're doing. And then we also have uh, Shivam joining us from India. And it's always just really interesting to see people from all over the world. And thanks for checking in. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's good to know where people are watching from and what they're currently doing. So, hey, let's, um, let's dig into the conversation a little bit more. So, uh, uh, Armand, I understand that um, at one point in time that you're you were looking at blockchain and you might not be looking at, you know, or well, let me not let me not put words in your mouth is, is that I know you were looking at blockchain some time ago. And so I wonder if you could tell us about what you were looking at and then um, what you currently do with data at Dubai Air Navigation Services. And we want to try to connect those two things. So if you could just start out there and kind of help us understand a little bit about the history there it'd be it'd be good yeah see uh, even from the uh, i can say it's from the day one the biggest challenge is data we are getting data or other companies let's say they are getting data but the issue is whenever we need to share the data across multiple departments or across multiple stakeholders then the actual challenge comes because uh, arranging the data sorting the data per defining permissions roles regulation so that's like a big challenge and it's always ended up with uh, many issues so getting the data and then arranging it to be a reliable and a secure way that's the biggest challenge so blockchain is a key way i believe to fix these these issues are these things so let me ask you this is that what what type of data is it that you are gathering and publishing uh, actually, the, uh, we are gathering all air traffic movement, like uh, if let's say Emirates is uh, Emirates uh, arrive, so it's all uh, points, wherever taxiway points and all whatever, it's like a, it's a little bit technical uh, terms in aviation. So whenever any flight comes, uh, they, they're all points, like the routes, how flight came, we record that information. So that's stored in the data, in the form of data with us. So we arrange it, and if any uh, like AB, like airline is requesting that data, then we prepare that as per how like in the format how they want, and then we share that data manually to them. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, so it, it, important that we have access to that data and uh, and to be able to use it within our different systems. And so, um, let me just ask you one question. That I'm going to throw something over to Gabriel here. Is this a yeah. private entity or is this a government entity? Uh, Dubai Air Navigation Services. The way a navigation services is, uh, is a government entity. Okay, Basically, so it's like a helping ent entity who helps uh, Dubai Airport and air traffic within the Dubai. 
Okay, very good, very good. Hey, by the way, which airport are, they, are you located nearest to? Al Maktoum International Airport. Okay, excellent. All right, okay. Hey, um, Gabe, I wonder if you could help me a little bit in digging into the blockchain part of this because I know that he had said that they were looking at you know blockchain in the past and maybe you could help me with some of the appropriate questions to ask him about maybe the history of it and what they're doing and what they're thinking about in the future maybe. Yeah, one, one thing that I was uh, curious to ask is uh, in that hypothetical situation where you guys were to implement or to publish to the blockchain, which which sort of blockchain would you be using? Would it be a private? Would it be would it be public? Would you be publishing to uh, would it, some sort of consortium or what What would the plan be for, for that? Uh, actually, we did some uh, like quick feasibility and uh, because we had three options to go with. Uh, one is public blockchain. Second, we can go with the private blockchain. A third is consortium, like a hybrid blockchain. So we did feasibility on all three. And we thought if you go with the hybrid blockchain, that can give us more leverage. Because in if you go with the public blockchain, it's like data and mining and every like rules and regulation will go to the community completely. And uh, if you go with the hybrid, it's like some part of that uh, mining thing it will be with us as well so we can control some way if if we need something to be changed if we need something to be improved in the future we can do that so that's why we prefer to go with the hybrid blockchain but still it's not yet decided we are still on a on a like a preparing feasibility and working on that hey um uh, gabe we have a lot of people that watch that well first of all i know we have people that are deep technically because i've had some people including armand who have said hey i'd like to teach some of this stuff more in depth and so we definitely have people that are subject matter experts that understand this stuff but we also have people that don't understand this and when you bring up terms like public blockchain and private blockchain and consortium i'm not certain that people all accurately understand what that really means i mean gabe maybe you guys could dig a little bit more into that and help us understand that right well like like Armand was saying, they're they're going to be using the hybrid blockchain, but the public blockchain, everything everything is going to be published to the blockchain. Like if it was Ethereum, all the data on the blockchain is going to be public to, for everybody to see. Um, but if it were private, that's not going to be something that that everybody's going to be able to see. Is that what do you what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty that's simple. Simple, yeah. But if it's a hybrid, then of course it can be data will be viewable to the public as well. And they, if some part of the data we wanted to make it secure should not be available to the public, we can control that part, part as well. So that's the advantage, one of the advantage of having private block, uh, hybrid blockchain. Yeah, perfect. Hey, um, uh, Rena is very um, intuitive, or she's very inquisitive, and she continues to ask us questions um, on these broadcasts. By the way, Rena, thank you for doing that. And uh, she's asking a question here. Is the data used by our, all airlines at all airports or for what purposes? Can you help us um, understand, uh, Arman, is, is that, you know, how is the data used? Who uses it? Who has access to it? Uh, well, it is like, let's say, Emirates Airline. If they need to see their last one week performance or if they wanted to see the total, uh, like, history of their past performances, they can take the real data. Of course, they will be having their own flight plan also with them, but they need this uh, from us also just to validate their data. And then they, they can plan further, like on which date and time the next in the airport that uh, traffic flow is less. So they can arrange and they can schedule their flights accordingly. So it helps for them to improve their uh, requirements, actually. Now, um, Arman, at, at the beginning, when you did an introduction with us, you said you were in a group called Fast Time Simulation. And yes. uh, I wanted you to explain to us um, watching 
is, is that I guess you have real data and simulation data. Can you dig in a little bit deeper and tell us what you're doing internally with that data and how you're using that to help operations? Uh, well, we collect the live data. Let's say we'll take last one week air traffic, air movement complete on the airport and on the air as well. And then if we wanted to do any uh, expansion on the airport or if you wanted to close any specific runway or if you want to do any expansion within the airport as well, we take that last one week data or two week data and then we, we build the model. And after building the model, we import the real traffic, which, which has actually was done last, last week or last two weeks. And after that, we rerun that simulation with that new changes. And if after applying these things, we, we figure out like we will get more uh, throughput, we'll get more uh, like user experience. So if this is good, like if that change is good, we go ahead with that change to deploy also on a real time also. So that's how we evaluate. Let's say if you wanted to apply any new change before going to the live, first we test this, test that change virtually. And if it goes well, then we go for the live as well. And after okay. that, once we'll go online, uh, then we take that operational data again. And then we see we simulated it with these numbers. And after going live, this is the variation. Because of course, that can come, the variation can come, but we can uh, reduce that variation in the first future simulations as well. So I, I think I'm understanding and getting it now. So basically, you're you're capturing operational data, you're capturing schedule, aircraft movement, you know, yeah. on the ground, in the air, all that kind of data. And then what you're doing is if someone wants to make a change, is that you're doing simulations of that to understand what the impact of it would be. Like if you wanted to change routes, route structures, movement of aircraft, things like that. And so yeah. before you make changes that could have a positive or a adverse impact to the system, you're doing yeah. simulations on it to ensure that that's understood, you know, based on real data. Is it, did I capture that correctly? Yeah, that's true. That's the same. Okay. Thing, well, yeah. very good. Very, that's very interesting. It's very good. Hey, um, I wanted to dig into something I saw recently because I wanted to ask you to help me understand it a little bit. Uh, I saw in the news that it's been maybe three weeks ago right now that um, uh, many of you know who LexisNexis is. And uh, LexisNexis is a company which publishes data. They're famous for publishing data for legal data and insurance data and a lot of other different kinds of data. And I noticed that they have a product which focuses on, um, on aviation data. And three weeks ago, they announced that they were now publishing this data um, onto the blockchain. And um, they just briefly said that they were publishing this data and they were using um, Chainlink and Avalanche in order to be able to um, optimize, you know, this published data solution. And so I thought it was really very interesting because here we're talking about Dubai Air Navigation Services, who is doing this, you know, kind of data and analysis. And then we have a company, LexisNexis, who's publishing that data, you know, similar data onto the blockchain. And I wanted to dig in a little bit. And I wanted for people that might have run across a story like that to a little bit understand it. And um, Gabe, I thought maybe you could just probe into that a little bit and ask Armand a few questions and maybe we could go back and forth and understand how a solution like that might work or be advantageous. But I'll just kind of turn it over to you for a second, Gabe. About that. We, uh, we talked a little bit about Chainlink in our uh, previous broadcast, but um, pretty much Chainlink, right, is a blockchain oracle um, that, that connects, uh, yeah, uh, pretty, it's it's pretty much on-chain code and off-chain infrastructure are connected. So, um, Chainlink is is able to provide information from from off-chain infrastructure and bring it onto the blockchain and cross blockchains 
and uh, through a decentralized Oracle network. And uh, I just want to ask Armand just some some terminology. What what exactly can you describe what an Oracle is for us really quick? Basically, it's a, it's a, like a database or data which you manage and arrange your like. Let's say we have uh, unarranged data and we wanted to store and organize it. So Oracle help us to arrange and organize that data and then manage it accordingly, as per the rules, whatever rules and regulation will be defined. So it hey just a second, Gabe. If I understand yep. it correctly, um, an Oracle is like a controlling entity that yeah. manages the data. Is that correct? Do I, do I got that right? It's like yeah. when I watched. The, the old video game Tron, we had the uh, MCP that was managing, you know, the data, right? The Oracle manages the data. All right. Okay. I got it. All right. Keep so, going. Gabe. Sorry. Yeah. So, so in through Chainlink, uh, through the decentralized Oracle network, they have, they have thousands of nodes and through these nodes, uh, uh, you, you can be running these nodes. I, I believe Lexus Nexus is now going to be operating a, a yeah. node. And mm -hmm. once again, Let's uh, let's talk about what exactly a node is. Armand, can you also describe what a node is really quick for, for our viewers uh, that don't see, know what that is? <laughs> see, node is basically a technical term we can call in, in the computer space or in the blockchain world. We call node is a computer or a machine who participate in the, in the mining and then they help to create a blockchain because blockchain is basically a combination of blocks. Information is created in the blocks and then it's stored one after another. So these nodes are basically helping to solve that block and then they are just putting the, these blocks on a place and then they are just creating the blockchain. So basically they are like a working uh, machines who help to create a blockchain. For validations, right? Yeah, for validation, yes. definitely. Right. So so pretty much I think what what the main the main thing of Chainlink is bringing, bringing that that off-chain data onto the blockchain and able to bridge uh, yeah. from any input pretty much to any output. Yeah. Now, I also saw in the article I read, though, that they were using Avalanche and Chainlink. And if yeah. I understand you know, those things correctly, those are both layer one um, uh, blockchains. Yeah. And I'm not certain why you would be using two layer one blockchains. Armand, do you, do you have an opinion or input on that? Well, uh, honestly, there are many blockchains and of course it depends on the features and requirements, which one you wanted to use. Let's say uh, if you see the first blockchain who provide these uh, smart contract execution features, that's Ethereum. But they did not choose on it because in Ethereum you can process 15 transactions per second. So that's the capacity of the Ethereum. If you go with the Chainlink, Chain, Chainlink process 50,000 transactions per second and their fees also is very less. And if you talk about Avalanche, it's they are processing 4,500 transactions per second. So I, I I think Chainlink is going to win this uh, this thing. So they they more that's why they have chosen Chainlink as well. Plus Avalanche also they have targeted. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know one of the reasons we bring these things up, everybody watching, is that I want people to become more and more familiar with terminology. You know, um, I was a you know blockchain you know new newbie. Uh, three years ago, and I, I really didn't know anything about it or any terminology. And so I paused these guys to help have them explain terminology because I want you to, you know, understand things as we're, we're going forward. And you might think, well, a node, that's pretty simple terminology. But hey, you know, from my days of computing, it was a server or it was a, you know, desktop computer or it was a virtual machine or it was, you know, a, a virtual workspace. 
you know, and now we're talking about when we're talking about blockchain, we're talking about nodes. But if I understand you correctly, we're not just talking about a server. We're talking about, you know, a node and it has additional functions, which we've described a little bit. And uh, that's really good. Hey, listen, um, uh, I think another thing that keeps coming up, too, is, is that why use one blockchain over another? And Gabe, in some of our previous discussions, you talked about, you know, methods of authentication. We talked about, Armand, you said authentication, but Gabe, there's a couple different methods of authentication. Can we bring that up and talk about that maybe? Yeah, so uh, the two main consensuses, I believe, would be proof of work and proof of stake, right? Proof of work would be things like Bitcoin and Ethereum at the moment, and proof of stake would be Avalanche or uh, any other, lots of other blockchains, Cardano using those type of things. But um, once again, we're going to define what these things are. Armand, can you uh, can you explain more in detail what, what exactly proof of work would be or proof of stake? Proof of work is like, uh, because these nodes, as we know, these nodes are working to solve the puzzle. So it's like they, they are, when they are getting transactions, these transactions, they have to encrypt and decrypt, and then they have to they have to process the transactions as well. So they, it's like there are multiple things which they have to do. And in proof of work consensus algorithm, what they have to do, they have to solve that puzzle and find try to find out the nonce value, which is random number. And that shows this node has done the mathematical puzzle properly and they find out the solution of these transactions. And they are able to solve and they are able to post this block on the blockchain. So that's called proof of work. Whereas in proof of stake, it's like if someone having more stake, it, it's based all based on the voting power. So if you are having more uh, stake on, onto the blockchain uh, in the mining space, you will be uh, getting more power to vote the transaction and that transaction will be solved and posted on the blockchain more efficiently. So it's like if you have more stake, you'll be able to process it more quickly. You know, um, we've had a we've had a lot of people that have been watching this broadcast that are really subject matter experts, and they've they've told me that they would be interested in you know maybe holding some classes or things like that or helping do some training or education. Armand being one of them, and uh, you know the thing is is that um, a lot of times this stuff seems like it's really confusing if you're new to it, and if you've if you've been around it for a long time, you know you're asking a lot more difficult questions. I had a long LinkedIn messaging conversation with another blockchain expert, uh, I think on Friday. And uh, he said, we really need some more depth, you know, in some of this. And so, you know, hang with us as we move forward. We're going to continue to get deeper and deeper. This is only only uh, week two. That's part of it. Hey, we've had a few more people joining us. Um, we have guests from uh, South America, from uh, from Latin America. I really appreciate it when we have people um, join from all around the world. It's pretty exciting. For some reason, I've had a lot of people following from uh, Sao Paulo, and I think maybe it's because of the work I did in the past with uh, Goal and with Embraer and uh, a number of other um, airlines down there with Azul and some others. And uh, a lot of really very interesting um, uh, work was being done uh, down there. You know, just a little interesting fact is I'd mentioned in one of our previous broadcasts that um, in the United States, it was recorded that about 19% of the people in the U.S. held cryptocurrency. And in Europe, it was somewhere around, I think it was around mid-30s percentage or something like that. And in Latin America, as many as 50 people, 51% of the people there had actually used um, cryptocurrency for transactions. And so, you know, um, different parts of the world, there's adoption rates that are moving faster. And uh, I really think that for those of us that are watching here today, that we really need to keep an eye on, on this technology and where things are going and, uh, you know, what we can be doing. Hey, listen, um, uh, 
I designate Mondays as ideation Monday, okay? And so I want to focus on innovation. And one of the reasons I asked Armand to come on is because they've been looking at innovative ways to solve their data problems by considering things, you know, like blockchain. I wanted to give Armand sort of an opportunity to be able to tell us, Armand, what are some of the innovative or some of the new ideas maybe that you have of, of ways that blockchain can be applied you know, in our industry today? Specifically in, in air navigation services, if you apply blockchain, uh, the uh, air like flight messaging system, which is currently, uh, we are following the old way. If we apply blockchain, it will be more efficient because we all, everybody, like all the airlines and all, they'll be able to track the flight information on time and uh, without someone else interfering. So it's like the core purpose of the blockchain is removing the third parties from the from the between so it's like directly you can interact you can get the data and the key thing is security so there are no, no third parties but still your data is secure intact it there's no no change and it's it's valid authentic so you can use it so that's the key thing so that's what that's why if uh, that's the first place if you use uh, in in that segment we can use it or else if you talk about it in during the airport saving digital identity let's say if uh, any passenger is traveling and if we store their digital identity and if you use that identity on their baggage while they're boarding car pass and all across the airport it will save a lot of time plus the passenger transition will be more smoother and easy and the same tag if it, it it's been used on uh, baggages as well for the passengers, it will be easy for them to claim and to identify currently where is their baggage and they'll be able to identify the exact place. So it, it will be much easier for them to manage as well. You know, um, Armand, let's take that for a second because I think that's really a great example when you talk about luggage or talk about baggage, all right? Because, you know, you think about it, is that we have all kinds of interline transfers that occur and uh, we move baggage from, from airline to airline and from airport to airport. And I personally have a number of times had my baggage be lost and maybe my ticket was booked on one airline and it was transferred to a, my baggage was transferred to another airline and it's very difficult to track the luggage or the baggage the lost baggage when it moves from location to location and and i would assume that if we were publishing this data to a blockchain and making it more readily available that we could have broader access to the data and making information about luggage and its movement you know, easier to track. Does that make sense? Yes. And the main thing is we, it will be fully transparent. So passengers also will get to know, other authorities also will get to know what, what is the status. So it's, it's, it's much easier. Yeah. My, my worst case scenario is I flew to Orlando one time and my bag was lost. And yeah. uh, by the time it showed up a week and a half later, we saw that it had actually gone to Lima, Peru, and then somewhere in the U.S. and then back out to Seattle, Washington. And it was actually quite difficult to find it. And I presume that if we would have had, uh, you know, some uh, some publicly available, you know, data that was published on a blockchain, that maybe it would have been easier to find that. So as far as new ideas are concerned, I think these are great, you know, new ideas, you know, that makes sense. Hey, we also have somebody joining us from uh, Bellevue, Washington. Uh, Sheila, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. I like to continue to recognize people when they jump in. Hey, if any of you have questions out there, we just have a few minutes left here in our broadcast today that we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. So you have an opportunity to throw some questions in the uh, uh, in the comment box, and we'll do our best to be able to uh, try to answer them. Hey, um, uh, Armand, let me ask you this, is that 
Uh, what are some of the challenges or obstacles that we have in implementing a blockchain in the industry today? What gets in our way today? Uh, well, previously, even, even now also, uh, the first biggest challenge is resources. And second, of course, if there is any new technology or if there is any change, you will you, that's very often, you will feel resistance from the community as well. So these two elements actually push down the blockchain to be implemented. But uh, now, uh, if you talk about current age, there are many programming languages are introduced, like Solidity was the first with using that you can develop smart contracts and you can you can have your own like uh, contract and then you can use it. So it's like you we were able to do it. But after that, now Rust, Viper, Mist, Golang, many programming languages also came plus uh, there are many strong and good uh, frameworks also. Using that frameworks, we can develop blockchain-based applications more efficiently or more like fast, quickly. Like Truffle is one of them, or Embark. So we can use them and we can develop blockchain-based applications. So the these were the challenges in past, but now it's sorted out. So hopefully in the coming time, you'll see many applications will be coming with the help of this uh, Web3 and blockchain because they are they are evolving day by day. Yeah, you said you said one of the main obstacles that we have is resources, and uh, yeah. one of the things that we need to do is we need to continue to do a good job of developing business cases. And if we have yeah. good business cases, which prove out, you know, the value, the return, you know, that we get from that, whether it be from a safety standpoint or a quality standpoint or from a financial standpoint, you know, we need to develop good, solid business cases. That's one of the reasons why I tried to. Um, include on Wednesdays, my broadcast, I try to focus on what are the business cases for implementing. Um, Mondays are ideas, so we're throwing around new ideas today. And Wednesdays, we're trying to drill down into, you know, what's the value, you know, of implementing. Hey, um, uh, let me ask you this, is that of the different companies that you've worked at, Armand, um, have you seen resistance to implementing of new technology? Is that something that also gets in our way? Yeah, sometimes it comes definitely because uh, if there is any change and, uh, against, against uh, that change, you will see many people will come and they'll say, okay, maybe there will be some. Uh, actually, they are not against the technology, but they are fearful because that new change which they are going to bring in, will, will it be like positive or going to be the other side? Because they are not sure and that technology or that framework which are going to apply, it's not mature yet. So that was the key reason because aviation is very safe industry and we need to make this the safest because it's, it's very critical. So that's why we did not implement anything uh, unmature, but uh, blockchain, you know, you, if you see it's been more than 10 years and it, it's around us and it's getting mature oh, day by day. So no, I think now it's the right time to apply it. Yeah, it's moving faster and faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gabe, do you have any follow-up questions for Armand? Not right now, no. <laughs> okay, great. Well, good. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, listen, Armand, let me ask you this final question then if I could, is, is that um, with the age of blockchain and the new technologies we have, um, you know, what, what's the most exciting thing for you moving forward? What excites you about where we're going with this kind of technology? Basically, all these development and things which we are doing, it it's all just to be a better human beings. And we are trying to help to the community as much as we can. So that's like a part of our ongoing efforts, so which will help us to shape a new advanced and uh, sustainable and better community. So that's what we are trying to do. Yeah, that's that's really good. I, 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 I concur with that. 
You know, um, one of the things I always like to say, and I'm just going to say this, is that uh, I believe that transportation and air transportation in the world we're in today connects yeah. people. All right. And yes. uh, um, and and we if we can provide a better environment to connect people, we can have a much more connected world. And, you know, and as people and human beings, we desire to connect with people. And isn't it amazing on how um, things like digital and video and video conferencing and live broadcasts like this allow us to be able to connect with people? I mean, here we are. We're actually doing a broadcast all around the world here um, from different from three different locations, from Dubai and from Seattle, Washington and from uh, from Florida. And it's just amazing that we can connect. And um, air transportation is one way that we can connect. And so what excites me is the ability to be able to help make it more efficient and make it um, easier to connect. So that's 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 what I'm that's what I'm looking forward to as we go forward into the future. Yes. Hey, um, gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining the uh, broadcast today. And um, I'll just say that uh, uh, up and coming on Wednesday, um, we we're, we have our broadcast at the same time, which is twelve o'clock on uh, uh, Eastern time and uh, sixteen hundred GMT. And our guest is going to be from Emirates, also going to be from uh, the Dubai area. And uh, we'll be talking about customer service and some of the new ideas of uh, application of blockchain um, in the customer service world. So I wanted to invite you to join us um, for that session on Wednesday. Armand, um, thank you for bringing your expertise today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me as well. Yeah, good. And uh, Gabe, I appreciate your your young blood being brought in. Um, people like to see some young faces uh, in our That's broadcast. Right. And so I appreciate you being here and bringing your blockchain knowledge. Um, all of you out there watching today, thanks for joining. And I look forward to seeing you again on, on Wednesday as we uh, talk about business cases and uh, customer service and blockchain and customer service. Thanks for joining everybody. Have a great day. Fair winds and following seas to you. Thank <laughs> you.